I've never been money motivated. For me, relationships are the most important thing. And mm. I feel like there's a lack of that in America. And I'm not trying to be offensive or, you know, anything, but people are very materialistic. Very, they look at like luxury and money over time and relationships on a value scale. Mm -hmm. And I would say the most important thing, again, you know, this is like who, you know, and building trust and having like a strong foundation relationship with people is number one. And that will get you so much farther than money or anything ever will. Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends, if you're doing it the right way anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Travis Makes Friends. Today, I am making friends with the beautiful and talented Sierra May. Sierra, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. My first ever podcast. First ever, which mm -hmm. means we should probably start it off with a bang. Okay. Ooh, I yes. gave you one of these bad boys. I'm still trying to get Magic Mind to sponsor my podcast, Magic Mind. Stop playing around. Just stop playing around. Just pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. I'm a fan of this type of drink. Like I was telling Travis, I drink a celery juice every morning, which is amazing. If you have never tried it, I highly recommend it. It will instantly boost your energy. So I'm really excited to try this. But it sounds not good, though. Yeah, it's not the best taste. Okay. It's definitely an quiet taste. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily, so the, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Okay. And don't hold this against me, Magic Mind. But the first formula I did not like very much. It, it tasted almost like too wheatgrassy where it was one of those like I know it's a wellness shop, but like mm -hmm. I don't like taking nasty things yeah. in the morning because I typically fast. And so mm -hmm. I don't like having that be the taste in my mouth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they sent me these ones. And this, this is the second formula that, that they did. And uh, yeah, I like them a lot better. So nice. hey, cheers. cheers. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you. We think mm, I like it. It's not bad, right? This is way better than my celery juice. I'm exactly. Not even gonna lie. <laughs> exactly. So first podcast Ooh, easy to do. Yeah, right. Yes. Exactly. First podcast. So we got a lot to talk about. Yes. The show exists because we like to build empathy and respect for everybody in the paths that they chose to take, especially mm -hmm. those who went maybe on a little bit more of an unbeaten path, which is the one that you're currently on. So I am excited just to dive into a little bit of the backstory, build some context for everybody listening. So let's go back in time, Sierra. Let's right. say nine-year-old Sierra May. Bring okay. us back. Set the scene. Where are you in the world? You mm -hmm. know, contextually, your parents, your background, all that stuff. Okay. All right. So we're going way back right way now. Back. So at the age of nine, I was in Canada. So I grew up in Canada. And at that time, weirdly, that was about when I started to realize that one day I wanted to move to L.A. I remember I was around nine or because two Because you were old. in Canada and you didn't want to be there anymore. Uh, yes. Well, not even that I didn't want to be there. <laughs> but Sorry, there Canadians. Some... I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, joke. I love Canada. Don't get me wrong. And I'm joke. very proud to be a Canadian. <laughs> but weirdly, I fell into this interest of like acting in the entertainment industry. Okay. 
So I was always interested in movies and stuff. I thought it was a really cool industry. So I remember telling my mom, I was like, mom, I want to start learning like how to do acting and get me into an agency and stuff. So obviously, you know, there's a lot of scammers out there. I remember the first agency that I ever tried to get into. First agency. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went to auditions and they liked me. And I remember this is a red flag. Number one, don't ever pay to be in an agency. So I remember they told my mom like, yeah, we'll get her in this and this and selling the dream. It'll only be $3,000. Literally. They're like, <laughs> it'll be like two, $3,000 and then we'll get her on our roster. First of all, we got some, we got some headshots. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Oh, I don't even think I got that far. <laughs> I think I have paid my own headshots already at this point. And they were like, and it was in Toronto because I'm from the Toronto area just outside. It's called okay. Hamilton. It's a smaller city, but let's put it on the map because I'm very <laughs> proud of where I come from. And so basically I had been doing these auditions in Toronto, which is more of a popular city. So they, they also film a lot there. And I remember when I had finally done my audition and they signed me up and we paid for it. They were like, "Okay, so next week you're going to come to our main office and we'll get you all set up. They completely fell off the planet and did not exist. You couldn't find them anywhere. They just stole all these people's money who had like gone to the next town. Yeah, exactly. And so that was a big eye opener for me because I'm a very gullible person and I am such a dreamer and I'm always like, oh, everything works out, which in my mind, in my imagination, it does. Sure. But, you know, things do happen in life. So that was kind of my first red flag of being like, oh, okay, so I need to be more cautious of what I'm doing. So then I remember... After that, I started doing background because I was like, let me just get kind of equated with the industry. And I started doing that for for probably like four or five years. And I would go, I had my grandpa, he had no job at the time. So he would drive me out to background and I would be, I actually was on Degrassi a few times and I would be on movies and stuff like that. And I had such an interest for it. I didn't care about the money or anything. I was just so excited to be a part of the shows and movies and stuff. And I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. And so I don't know what I always had an interest. And then I did that until I was in high school and my family was like, okay, so if you want to be an actress, you need something to fall back on. Like it's very difficult to get into blah, blah, blah. So I remember I was like, okay, I want to do something in school. That's very creative that I can still use my creativity, but it's like a business background. So it's a good thing to fall back on. So that is when I decided to go into advertising marketing. Okay. So I went to college. It's a, program and it's called advertising marketing and communications it was a program at a school called mohawk college which is like one of the best in the country for that specific thing and pretty much i did that i was really good at it i fell in love with it i went the business route because you can go creative or business and i just fell in love with it i was like let me let me kind of focus on this a bit because i i could like it and it's something more almost like sustainable that i could do because again i'm doing acting and these little like side gigs but nothing had been like come to fruition yet where it's yeah. worth or I was making great money at it or something. So mm-hmm. fast forward, I graduate college. I took a year off and I actually started my own healthy treat business. It was super random. I always knew I kind of wanted to build my own brand. So okay. I, I was like getting the fundamentals and then I wanted to kind of start my own brand. And I didn't know how to do that yet, but I had an interest at the time for fitness and like healthy eating and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had started gluten-free vegan treats and I would just make them from home and I would partner with a company called Fit Dish who did um it's like like Fit Fit Dish is it's called like like meal prep fitness meal prep yes thank you so pretty much 
that went on for about two years. And it was a good experience for me. I remember I started my own YouTube channel, just like creating recipes and stuff, which you can't find it anymore. But <laughs> it's very embarrassing when I look back oh, at we'll this. Find like, it. <laughs> no, I took those down. I was like, this is so embarrassing. My sister actually sent me one the other day. She saw one and we were cracking up. I was like, oh, God, what was I thinking? But you know what? These things, they are great because I learned a lot. I learned how to even Gotta edit do it. myself. Everybody and- sucks at the beginning. Exactly. Uh, it's one of the things that like, no, so many people just can't wrap their wrap their mind around that piece. Because by the time they hear about a podcast or a YouTube channel mm-hmm. or a creator or a brand or an influencer or something, by the time they hear about them, it's typically when they're already famous or exactly. they already have seven years of history doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And they're, they have seven people on their team cutting up stuff, editing, producing, like everything's already done and yeah. had has been worked on and perfected and iterated on over the past, you know, seven or eight years. And Mm -hmm. that fear of embarrassment prevents people from taking the initial action that is required of you if you're ever going to get to that point. That's why I um, have empathy for for people who are like already doing well in something and they Mm -hmm. pivot to something else. I have a lot of empathy for those people because like if you're already fairly well known and then you go do something new, you're obviously still going to suck at it. Like just being well-known doesn't mean that you're going to be good at that new thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then they get a lot of flack for how bad they are. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, that's because you're failing in the public's eye because you're already well-known for this other thing. Exactly. And now everybody just expects that you're going to be good at this thing, but you're not because you've never done it before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that that one thing will prevent so many people from ever giving it a chance, giving it a shot. Yeah. And let's circle back to that when I get to my clients, because I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And, you know, just with what I have going on that I want to show how like you just need to keep persisting and things like that because yeah. it's a transition period. But mm-hmm. we'll get back to that. Yeah, yeah. So where was I? So we I started my YouTube channel. I was doing all this. My treats were actually doing very well. I was okay. getting. So at the time I was working at an advertising agency at this point, I, I decided I wanted to do that to get experience in the professional world is in the marketing world, because after taking that year off and starting my brand, I was like, OK, but. I don't know where I want to go yet. And I wasn't making enough money where I was content with where I was for my business. And I was like, plus, I don't want to lose my degree. I want to at least get some experience. So I ended up working in this agency in my hometown, Hamilton, for about two years. And it was an amazing experience. I still talk to everyone from there. I love them. If you guys are watching, I will always love you guys. (laughs) But it really built my foundation, even with little things from a professional standpoint of like how to write a proper email and how to have like etiquette in a meeting and stuff like that. Mm. And so I think that that is my as much as I didn't, let's say, love the clients I was working with, because it would be like steel companies and car dealerships and things that I didn't have as much interest in. It's still unsexy companies. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) And like, so it was cool. And I learned the basics. I learned marketing. I learned kind of like, you know, how to put tactics together for a client and Mm -hmm. all these other things. And it was great learning. And I still, I think that the value in that is you know, you can't beat that. Yeah, yeah. So then I basically took that. And again, at this point, my whole life, since I was 10 years old, I had always wanted to move to LA. Mm. I don't know why had never been there. Not once. It's there the was, allure. there was something yeah. drawing me to LA. And I was, I would say, even my mom, she brings it up to this day. She's like, I always need to go to LA because <laughs> I would say it since I was 10 years old. Yeah. And so circling back to that, when you have something in your mind, you do, you can manifest it. And it all just starts with your imagination and a desire. And I had always had this this desire. And I remember at the time I had a boyfriend of like four and a half years or something like that. 
And I would ask him, I was like, hey, do you want to come with me to L.A.? And he would be like, no, what am I going to do over there? Like he was an HVAC or something. Mm -hmm. And it was to the point where it was all these like things started unfolding because I knew in my heart I had to go. And it was almost at a point like we were already looking at rings and we were like looking at moving in together and mm. all these, like it was getting serious. Yeah. And I basically had to choose like, do I choose this life or do I choose going to LA and pursuing something that is so random? And I don't know a single person there. I don't know what I'm doing, but something in my heart kept telling me, you need to go do this. You how, need to. Go. Uh, at this point, so this was about age 22. Okay. At this point, 22, I was like, okay, you have your whole life ahead of you still, but this is like a very pivotal time in your life, right? Like, I'm like, do I get married? Do I have this like traditional life? Yeah. And I stay in my hometown or do I actually explore the world and and take this chance? And I'm a, I'm a person who was going to be bold in life and take any chances. So that was something where basically I, I started adjusting myself. Sorry, why were you that person? I've always been that way. I've always, I'm a dreamer. Like in my mind, I can do anything. And I t I'm a very big advocate of that. I tell think, everybody. Do, the reason I asked that, do, do you have siblings? I have one blood sister, like full okay. sister, and I have two half siblings. But my older sister, she's a year older. She's just 30. So a we're year. a, a okay. year and nine months apart. Okay. And then I have two half siblings and they're quite a bit younger. My brother's, he just turned 13. Okay. And I have a little sister. I think she's five. Did your sister stay in your yeah, hometown? Yeah, she's still okay. there. She has her husband and her stable job. And so it's always curious to me. I, that's why I asked the question. I always try to figure out the why behind it. And, and I, the best that I can tell is just some people are just hardwired and it's just a personality mm -hmm. thing. And you just, had you stayed and chosen that life, you just would have never been happy doing that. I because you would have known that there was, you were leaving something on the table. Facts. You know, and some people just don't, ha they just don't have that. To me, it's like, it's not right or wrong either way. It's yeah. completely neutral. It's just dependent on like, that's why I tell people all the time, like, and anytime I get asked, hey, what's the definition of success? It's like mm. definition of like success starts with having self-awareness and understanding what it means to be successful for you. Exactly. Because and what makes you happy, different. really, at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. And what you're going to be able to live with on your mm -hmm. deathbed, mm -hmm. you know, like when you look back and you go like, you know, you're 93 years old, you're sitting on the rocking chair on your front porch and like looking back on your life, you can't really do anything about it at that point. You can't go back in time and say, I wish I would have just gone to L.A. You know what I mean? But you probably could go to L.A. and be like, eh, I don't like this and then move back to your hometown a year exactly. later and nothing's different. Yeah, that, that was something that true because I'm a person <laughs> where I don't want to have regrets in my life. Exactly. And I think that's the one of the worst things you can do is to live a life that you are unsure if that's what you want and without taking chances and trying things out because you might fail at it. You're not failing if you try, in mm -hmm. my opinion, mm -hmm. right? Like failure again is one of those things like what is success to you? Mm -hmm. If I try something and maybe it's not as, you know, successful as I would expect it to be or would want it to be, you can get there. It's just a matter of persistence. You can get to any point of, mm -hmm. of success as long as you persist through obstacles, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if you are like that a type of person where, you know, you're just kind of content with a certain type of lifestyle, you're going to stay in that in that zone or mm -hmm. that comfort zone. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you basically were like, this is definitely not the life for me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and make this decision. 
talking about it now, it probably looking back is like, well, it was a no brainer. But at the time, it probably wasn't a no brainer, right? Oh, or, there was a lot of things. There's going to be issues and obstacles, no matter what it is, if you're making a big life decision, you have mm-hmm. to kind of like go through and pick through like, what, how should I do it? What am I going to do? For me, let me just give you an understanding. I didn't know a single person in LA at the time. I didn't, I had a car lease that was, I think I still had three or four years left on it and I couldn't afford to just pay it all off. Mm -hmm. And at the time it's under Canada. So in order for me to switch it, to be able to get it across the border, that took like weeks of me calling talking to insurance companies, getting my car like to a certain level of safety to even cross the border. Like Mm -hmm. there was so many things that I had to do to even get my car across. Then I don't know what area I'm going to live in. And I don't have money also at this time. I I think I left Canada with like $2,500 or $3,000 to my name. And that was supposed to get me my two months rent, which was like $1,200 at the time. In LA. In LA, plus (laughs) gas money, plus stopping at hotels because I drove there with my car, food, (laughs) all these things. And I'm going in there with no job security. Like, I don't have a job lined up or anything. I'm just going in there blind faith, which I actually think is the best thing to do in life in general, Mm. is just knowing that you're going to take the leap. Yes, take the the leap and you're going to fall. And there's going to I actually just wrote something the other day on my story about like taking that leap and there'll be like a marshmallow or a chocolate pond at the bottom (laughs) waiting for you. Like, (laughs) you just got to trust that there's going to be something under that that's going to be very great. Yeah. And so I basically did that. And I just kind of was like, let's just go with it. I found an apartment. Well, this is the other thing, too. It wasn't a part. It's like a house. So I had certain criteria that I wanted, you know, like non-negotiables and stuff. And I was like, I just want something that's kind of like near downtown that's in my price range that has open light, like natural lighting and a good space and whatever. And I, I found the place perfectly within a couple of weeks. Everything just worked wow. out. Everything was aligning perfectly. And I was like, this is meant to happen. And so when I got out to L.A., finally, my best friend drove with me across the country. It was one of the best experiences ever. We had so much fun and we would stop in different cities. And weirdly, even though I had been in Canada, I'd never really been through America ever other mm. than like living there. I was born in New Orleans. So, oh, really? okay. so I have a dual citizenship, which makes it easier okay. yeah, for me to, to be here now. Sure. But yeah. I really had never explored America at this point. I was when you're in Canada, everyone's an international traveler. So it's weird, but everyone would go to like Europe or whatever. I feel like that's not as common out here in America. Uh, no, absolutely not. It's definitely true. Yeah. Whenever we're out internationally, you go to like the hostels, mm-hmm. you know, the local hostels or the, any communities or stuff like that when you're traveling abroad. And yeah, the majority of like the white English speaking people are Canadian yes. or from the UK yes. or Australia mm-hmm. or something like that. There's just not a lot of. It's weird. Like, yeah, it, it is. Americans yeah. do not travel like yeah, that. Right. They travel within America. And that mm-hmm. was a big thing I noticed when I came out here because I'm very well traveled. My friends are all like anyone from Canada. That I know they like they've been all around the world. But here, a lot of people don't even have a passport. And that used to blow my mind. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. You haven't seen the world then. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, America is great. Other things but that exist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that opens up your mind oh, a totally. lot. It's a huge education piece, traveling. Yes. Yeah. It, if you've only ever seen one version of life, mm-hmm. you don't have the ability to empathize or communicate or understand where anybody else is coming from because yeah. you've never been the odd one out. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you got to on purpose put yourself in those situations because it's a, to me, it's a huge just self-development, personal development I agree. activity. And it happens to be a pretty fun one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like there's <laughs> travel mishaps that happen. Like mm-hmm. seemingly every time I do a big trip, it, whether it's international a boys or trip. in the States. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah there, you're getting into trouble. I can tell. <laughs> there's hiccups along the way. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a couple travel, hangover experiences. Uh, yeah. <laughs> trying to get to the airport on time. Yeah. You know, missing flights or rescheduling, mm-hmm. sleeping in the airport. You know, it's just like there's a bunch of stuff that happens, but, you know, all of those things teach you a little bit more about yourself yeah. and, and help you learn how to overcome adversity more and look for positives in life. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, but then also the actual real parts of it, which is being exposed to different cultures mm-hmm. and immersing yourself in those cultures, getting to know the people. And like I said, being familiar with being the person who can't speak the language and mm-hmm. like trying to make your way through that that country or whatever. And it just gives you a whole new, fresh perspective on yeah. what you can be grateful for in your everyday life, you know, back in the States. That's my favorite every time I come thing. back, I'm happy I'm back home. Yes. Like, I love the USA. Yes. Like, it's, it's, it's my country. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But I also really, really enjoy traveling. Yes. <laughs> but when I come through the airport for the first time, I make it through. And I and I'm like coming down the escalator and I see an American mm-hmm. flag and customs. Mm-hmm. I'm You're just like, like oh, yeah, yes. I'm just like, good to be home. You <laughs> yeah, know? I totally get that feeling. And I'm the yeah. same way. But I think it does make you one appreciate America more because yeah. you're like, wow, yeah. the, a lot of the world does not have what we have. Mm-hmm. Even basic necessities like toilet paper. Water. Isn't it? Water. Clean, yeah. Like, oh, don't drink the water. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I have to drink water. I've had some bad experiences. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drink there. the water in yeah. certain countries. For real, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, it's, yeah, it's not just like a it's not just like a warning. It's like no. it's not like, a, oh, it's going to taste bad. It's going to be like, no, no, no. you're, you're going to be sick you're going to be. Yeah, yeah. You're not leaving your bed. You're going <laughs> to be. It's not fun. <laughs> um, so on that, before we get to jump mm-hmm. back to the store, you traveled a bunch, mm-hmm. been to a bunch of different places, and you've been to a bunch of different places in the country as well. Yes. You live in Vegas, see so Miami and all these other different places all the time where all the parties are, because as yes. we'll get into in a second, yes. you're kind of in that in that world. With the I know we're not even there yet. <laughs> um, where, where's the best places to party? Ooh. So for me personally, in my experiences, I would say the top two places, probably Miami and Vegas All right. for partiers. Yes. Um, you know, crazy. A lot of people think I'm like a huge partier and I am in that scene a lot because that is my part of my job. Yeah. And I'm a social drinker and stuff, but I actually am not like a huge fan of clubbing or anything yeah. or like crazy partying. If you see me out, it's usually like an incentive. Like I'm going to an event or an, a meeting or yeah. something like that because I want to be or surrounding myself with the type of people who are at that event or totally. that meeting. But like people ask me, I could go to a club every night if I wanted to, mm-hmm. just because I'm getting literally every night people are hitting me up. I'm like, oh no, I'm okay. Thank you. Like yeah. I don't go just for the fun of it. I'm sure. going there as a networking opportunity. Totally that's that's when way. you're going to see me out. Absolutely the same way. Yeah. yeah. I definitely don't get the broader appeal of going out like that all the time. No. It's just like, there's just so much dick measuring that goes on, <laughs> which is just bad for my credit card. You know what yeah, I mean? It's just yeah. like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, like, like again, like you said, if I'm out with some friends, like friends that I, I'm really close with yes. and we're just having a good time, yes. fine. And it or ends if I'm up out there. with, I'm at an event and a, and a bunch of people are going out somewhere and you want to get to know those people and you want to have fun with them outside of the context of like mm-hmm. classroom style learning, mm-hmm. then I'm there. Like I have really bad FOMO. 
And, I get that sometimes uh, yeah, so too. <laughs> I, I, I do want to be where the where people are and where things are happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't I don't understand these people, man. That just like that's all they do. Yeah. And they just love partying. That's got to be your number one expense. Yeah. Like how do you? It's either that or like you. One of your friends is really rich, and you just go on their tab all the time mm-hmm. or something like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's just like how but do you go out all the time? Boring. Like, that? like for that's me I mean. again, coming from Canada, the drinking age is nineteen over there. Like so in what's high the statute school? of limitations on these things? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So I've been doing this. I've been in this game for a minute. And yeah. by the time I turned 21, I was already over it. Yeah, I was like, like all right. burnt out. Yeah. yeah. I used to like party in high school and stuff. And don't get me wrong. Like, it's great. And I had so much fun. And I'm so happy I did that because I had a, like, it literally made me who I am. And yeah. I enjoyed those experiences. And I think it's so important to ha- go out and have your fun or else you turn 40 and you're like, where, what have I done with my life? Yeah. Like, then pe- that's when people have their like midlife crises sure. and stuff, right? So I'm like, I've been through that. I've done it all. Like, I'm good now. Now I just do it. It's like, I enjoy being in those environments if I'm making money doing it. Like, it's not a bad job. I like it, you know, but it's not something where I'm like, unless it's one of my good friend's birthdays and I love her Mm -hmm. and whatever, Mm -hmm. of course I'm going to go. I'll do whatever. I'll literally sleep under a It's not like you're allergic to fun, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's just like, this is, I would go camping with you guys. Exactly. Whatever you want. We could sit on the couch, play video games and eat Mm -hmm. pizza and drink beer, or we could go to the club, like whatever. Like, we're still having a good time. game for anything like if I care about you whatever you want to do I'm there and it's just kind of like a default thing that people are like oh let's go to the club and I'm like okay (laughs) all right I guess I'll go live in Vegas yeah (laughs) exactly and when exactly like where we are LA Vegas Miami like that's just what you do in those cities right so that's why whenever people are in town you know yes it's always funny being a Vegas local because people hit you up on like a Wednesday Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know they're like we're going out tonight it's like Bro, it's fucking Wednesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I have to get up in the morning. It's You're like, like, I have a child. Yeah, like, <laughs> two of them. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, two of them. Yeah, I didn't know so, that. like, yeah, I got a, I got my son You're is, busy. Uh, my son is almost four. Wow. My daughter is two. Oh, congrats. So, and we got the businesses. There's just like, there's so many things. Like, it's, it's the middle of the week, man. Like, mm-hmm. you can't come in on a Wednesday, hit me up and no. be like, hey, let's go out. We're starting at midnight. Yeah. Like, I will have Vegas. been asleep for three hours by then. So, exactly. <laughs> don't I'm text with me. You too. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. People hit me up at like 11. I was like, oh, I'm in bed by now. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, I'm an old sure. lady now. Like, absolutely. <laughs> you got to give me days in I, advance. Like, I'm getting up at 4 30. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be oh, rolling God. into my house at the time that Mm-mm. I'm supposed to be getting up. Your <laughs> you know girl I mean? will not like that. <laughs> She's like, we've been there already. Yeah. Oh, man. But, okay, uh, okay, so, so where yeah, back into the story. Oh, uh, I'm driving across the driving country. Driving across the country. Yes. yes. So if, if you've never done that, too, that's something I recommend is, like, such an amazing experience. It's one of those the stories that I love telling people because – it's just so random, but you, especially when you're driving across the country, which I've never been through, it was so cool. Like it would be, for example, so I started in Hamilton where I'm from, which is like Toronto area. And then I were driving and I'm, it's winter at this point, keep in mind. Right. So January 2nd, 2018 was when I left. And I remember it was a blizzard and my family was like, please Sierra, like, don't go yet. Don't drive through this blizzard. And I'm like, I'm not standing or I'm not staying in Canada one more day. I'm getting out of here. I'm not a snow person. I'm not a cold weather person. Like, Bring me to the sunshine. So well, LA is a good spot. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's in my mind. I'm like sunshine. I'm yeah. getting out of here. So as I'm driving, you know, we hit like Michigan. That was where I crossed the border. And then we go and stopped in Chicago. That was I think like an eight or nine hour drive. Okay. 
And then, so from Chicago, we stayed, which obviously is a great city. So yeah, so that was cool. I had never been there. So my friend, my best friend since I was like, I don't know, 12, again, she's with me. So we're exploring Chicago. We go see the Bean. We're just doing, you know, kind of touristy stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get back or in the kind of like, I'd say around 5 p.m. or something. um, And we're going to the next stop. So we're driving. We're just having so much fun. We're talking. We're listening to music, like doing, you know, just regular stuff. And then the next stop, I think, oh, is Tulsa. Really weird city. I'm sorry to offend anybody, but I it, it felt like Hill- this is show. <laughs> <laughs> nobody in Tulsa is downloading this podcast. And, and True. I, I, if you are, I feel really bad now. But uh, I know, right? Yeah, but I mean, they gotta <laughs> I'm know. Sorry, but they gotta know if it you're is in Tulsa. An odd city. Yeah. Like it's just weird vibes. Basically, <laughs> that entire like section of the country is like if you're in Nebraska, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Kansas. It's just like. It's nothing but acres and acres of fields. Yeah, it's very uh, hills have eyesy. Like I was like nothing to do but drink and like Mm -hmm. shoot shit. Yeah, (laughs) I remember my friend. We were like we had to stop and get gas, and I remember we go into a gas station. And again, coming from Canada, like you don't see this stuff. So we pull up, and I'm walking into this the store part to pay for it, and there was a huge sign that said don't bring your guns inside. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, wait, what? Like, it, you might see, like, bring your, like, wear shoes in or, like, yeah, wear a right. shirt or something in, like, yeah. Canada. Leave your guns out there on the porch there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa, what? Like, where am I? So it's I'm like on West Saloon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me and her are like, all right, we got to get out of here. Like, that was in the cities that we did not try to stick around in. That's We're like, is. let's get back on the road. So <laughs> yeah, so then from there, we stopped in New Mexico. Really cool city. It's beautiful. I didn't expect it to be that pretty, like with the mountains and stuff. So that was really nice. We just kind of were doing like outdoorsy stuff, like walking around. And then next stop was Phoenix, Arizona. So that was fun. We went out that night and that was my last stop before we got to LA. So we Mm. went out partying that night. Phoenix, Scottsdale. That's a place to go out. Yeah. And it was cool. And so I forgot to mention this. I thought it was really cool too, because I had mentioned the beginning that I left when it was a blizzard right mm-hmm. so it's like every few out like every stop we were like taking getting, layers nicer off. And nicer. it was yeah. just gonna it was like the like the path to like <laughs> like happiness seems like yeah. i'm headed in the right direction <laughs> exactly yeah. this is where i was supposed to be <laughs> <laughs> so it was really cool and the drive itself was gorgeous like just watching sunsets driving in the middle of you know just nothing it was like very peaceful it was a beautiful experience so if anyone has a chance to do it and drive across the country i would say do it would I do it again? Probably not because it was a lot of driving, but it was a great experience. I'm so happy I did it. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah. And then I ended up in LA. She stayed with me, my friend, for about five days, got me set up. <laughs> Thank God, because <laughs> let me tell you, I'm not someone who can build furniture or <laughs> or like you I'm just be sleeping on the floor. <laughs> I would have, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so funny. We still joke about it to this day because, like, we don't even have a measuring tape. So you know, people like joke about girls and how they'll sit there and like measure furniture, by doing like arm lengths and stuff. 
So me and her literally go to Ikea and we have like, we're doing our arm measurements that's of like hilarious. how to fit things in. No, that's about right. <laughs> that looks good. Yeah. By the time you put it up there, it's like changed. Exactly. Like no, yeah. but we did what we could. And it was just funny, like two girls doing this experience. Like we were doing the, we're working with what we have, yeah. <laughs> but it's just ridiculous. I and mean, it, it still was fun. Like we, we loved it. Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those stories that we still talk about to this day. And I really, it's, I really appreciated it. So yeah, pretty much that was my experience getting out to Canada and how I got out here and then, or sorry, to America. And then I landed a serving job when I first got out, probably three weeks in. Okay. I had been applying and I had served in like as a waitress in Canada for years. So I was like, that's like a good start. I just need to get a server job. Mm-hmm. And then at least I'll be good with like money and stuff. And it, it worked out for me. It was, I ended up, working at a sports bar in LA Live called, it's now called Tom's Watch Bar, but it was Tom's Urban before. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like right across <laughs> mm-hmm. from the yeah, sta- old, old Staples Center. Crypto. crypto. Yeah. yeah. So that was my little story of how I got out there. Nice. And it's been great since. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers Agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you. That work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So at what point did you get into the talent management that you're doing now? Yes. Let's circle back again for a minute to when I was thinking about coming to LA and I was trying to like plan everything out. So I told you I had never been to L.A. yet. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be smart about this. And I want to go at least like look at it. I'm going to go check, see what the area is, see if it feels right to me when I get there. And so at this time, I was working at the agency. And because it was my first within my first year, year and a half, I had already known this whole time that I was going to be leaving. And I had my sister's wedding this year. And I knew that I needed time off to like go do my site tour and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you only get five sick days 
in Canada. Five. That is not a lot of sick days. No, like vacation days, <laughs> sick days, whatever. Oh, so, like total time off. Yes. Not even just, total wow. time. So I remember I would be deathly ill at work. And I was like, I'm saving these sick days because I could move it over to the following year. And I knew that I wanted to add up those days so that I could go to my sister's wedding and try to go to L.A. Mm to do a site tour and stuff. So this was like what I had planned kind of like almost midway. So I had basically known the whole time that eventually I was going to go to LA. I just didn't know how it was going to plan like pan out yet. So I had moved over the sick days. I finally had enough where I was able to go to LA for like a weekend or four days or something like that. So one of my other friends from Canada came with me and we did a site tour. This was like a, probably two months before I moved. And while I was in LA that weekend, this is actually a really crazy story. Sorry, let me circle back. So when, when I was booking the flights with her, I'm at her house. And do you know the show The Bachelorette? Mm -hmm. So I'm not a TV person. I don't watch TV. I don't even turn it on. But Bachelorette and The Bachelor in Canada is like a huge thing. Like everyone watches it. Even to this day, it's such a big show that is like very common out there. And so my friend who was going to come with me to LA she was watching the show while we're booking the flights. Okay. And she's like, this was probably like the third or fourth episode before the finale. And I remember she was like showing me the show while we're booking it. And she's like, oh my God, that's Eric Bigger. I don't know if you know who that is, but he was one mm -hmm. of the finalists on the show for Rachel's season. I forget what season that was. Okay. But so she's like showing me all these characters. She's like, yeah, Eric right there. That's the one I want to win. And she keeps on talking about Eric. And so we're booking the flights. We finally book it like not even thinking anything of it. I'm like, okay, that's cool. We're watching the show. The day we get to LA for the site tour, we are told like, oh, you should go to One Oak. It's a really good club. So we go to One Oak and guess who's there? The entire cast of The Bachelorette. No way. And so they were, the season finale had not aired yet. So as you can imagine, my friend is like tripping out. Like she's so, she's fangirling. She's like, Sierra, that's Eric Bigger. I want to go take a picture and stuff. And so me again, like I've never been like a fangirl type thing. I'm like, okay, if you want, like yeah. I'll go take the picture for you. So it's really cute. Like I remember she was all happy and she got to see Eric. And so they took a picture and I'm like in the, on the corner, like not even caring. I'm just like talking to his random people and stuff at One Oak. And I guess I like started talking to Eric's manager at the time. I didn't even realize I'm just I'm friendly. I was just talking to whoever and he yeah. was super nice and we were just hitting it off. And then it, after the night, it turns out that was Eric's manager because then he comes over and they're, they're both talking to us outside of One Oak. And so basically... I already was just, like, we we're about to go home and they kind of just started chatting with us. I'm like, oh, what are you guys doing tomorrow and stuff? We're like, well, we're here for the weekend. Maybe we can do something. So me and Michael, Eric's manager, like connected and he had been talking about, oh, I love Toronto. I want to bring Eric to Toronto. And in my mind, I was like, ooh, this is an opportunity here. And again, at this point, I don't know anybody. Right. So I'm like, let me see what I can do. I was like, if you want to come to Toronto, let me try to bring you out to Toronto. That in my mind was like, one, I'll build a relationship with someone who's already mm -hmm. in the entertainment industry, which again, I've always had an interest in. Right. And I was like, this could be like a great opportunity for me just to like try to do something cool yeah. and bring them out. And I, I already knew some contacts in clubs in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, him and I, we keep in touch for a couple months because this is probably two, three months before I moved to LA officially. And he and I started coordinating and like on the phone, I'd be in my agency and I'd be leaving on my lunches 
talking and negotiating like all yeah. these deals and stuff with clubs. We ended up doing a whole campaign called Eric Bigger Takes on Toronto. And we helped, I helped literally plan the entire thing. Really? Wow. So I was able to kind of get my foot in the door in LA before I had even got out there. Sure. So, and people are doubting it too. They're like, oh, you're not going to be able to do this. But, but, and again, persistence, you just got to know you can make it happen. And right before, like I had moved and stuff, we were able to make it happen. And actually, I got Peter Cross, who's the other finalist, and Eric at this one club in Toronto. And it was like a meet and greet experience. They got flown out. And then we did with Eric. It was a date night at STK. So Uh the winners of this contest won the date night experience with him. And it was amazing. They like set us up and we had our camera people there and stuff. And then he did a boot camp as well. So fans of him got to be trained because he's a personal trainer Mm. in this boot camp. And so basically now from there, that was kind of a great start to when I finally did move out to L.A. because I did know someone and I was like, okay, this is now like I had been building these relationships and they are amazing to this day. I will always be like close with them. I love them so much. I remember when I first moved to L.A., my grandma was sick and she had cancer and I, that was my biggest thing because I'm like, I have no money and she's going to pass away and I can't get home to see her before she does. But I have to get out here. And Eric actually bought my flight to go see her. Like, they're just amazing people, you know. And so I felt very safe coming to L.A., even having that initial relationship. And that was the only other For person sure. I knew. Yeah. And it gave you a little bit of a taste of what you're doing now. Exactly. Sorry. So now let's get back to that. And that was kind of what inspired me at this point. I didn't know I was going to be doing talent management. So, but seeing kind of what Eric did or sorry, what Michael did with Eric, I was like, I could do that. This is easy. And I, you know, like I I see what he was doing and how he built relationships and stuff. And I would help them with certain things, like just whatever they needed, really. I was just their, their person. I would come, I'd film stuff at like boot camps or whatever they needed just to learn Mm -hmm. and also to support because I love them. And so that kind of triggered something in me a little bit where I didn't, pursue anything yet but again back to the idea of like manifestation and stuff something was brewing so I at this time was doing stuff with them and working at the the bar that I was working at and one of my friends from Toronto so remember I told you I did the healthy treat business and I partnered Mm -hmm. with the fit dish company Frank, love you. If you're listening, I know he's going to. So supportive. He's the owner of Fit Dish. Okay. Sweet. And so he's actually the one who connected me with Talia. And he was like, okay, so. Who's one of your clients? Yes. Who's yeah. one of my clients now? So he was like, oh, I've given Talia food from Fit Dish before when she had come to Toronto and she was modeling at the time. I think she had just become Cyber Girl of the Year okay. for Playboy. And he was like, she's such a sweet girl. You will love her. You need to connect with her out there. And at this time, I think she had like 250,000 followers or 300,000 followers or something. But she was building a name for herself. And I don't really care about stuff like that. But I was just like, yeah, it's a, another great person for me to know out here. And I messaged her. And we were DMing. We went on a hike at Runyon probably like three or four days later. And we just hit it off instantly. She's the sweetest girl ever. And he was saying that he's like, oh, she's so nice and stuff. And literally we went on a hike and then we went to go get her nails done. And then we went to go get lunch. And the rest was history. Like we just hit yeah. it off. Now she's my client. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because, you know, that one little introduction or whatever created this whole domino effect. Mm-hmm. And and at the time we were just friends. So we would go do I would go to some of her like hosting things and sure. stuff. And yeah. we're just building that relationship. And then one day she calls me and she was like, hey, would you ever consider managing? I want to start a DJ group with two of my friends from my hometown in Santa Barbara. 
and we think we want to do this. Like, is that something you would want to do? And I remember being like, obviously a little scared at first. Sure. Not even scared, but just like, what? I don't know what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, timid. Like, just, uh, yeah. Just I've never of, done this before. Yeah, question mark. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Ooh, but it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I love challenges. And I'm always like interested in seeing what I'm capable of doing. And I mean, I already know what I'm capable of doing, but I'm like, let's just see. Got to put it to the test. Yeah. Though. Let's yeah. see what Otherwise, we can it's do just with theory. this. Exactly. Yeah, everybody can talk about what they're capable of doing, but yeah. you got to go show someone. Exactly. Yeah. And and so for me, again, I've always kind of had that mindset that I can do anything, which I think everyone should have that mindset because you can. And um, I think that it was just one of those things where I'm like, okay, I've seen kind of what it entails, that job, because from Michael and Eric, and I was like, I think I would like it like again. And then it kind of tied back into my marketing job where it was like I was dealing with clients already. I knew how to deal with clients Mm -hmm. and I would be the middle person. So I'm like, it's kind of like a combination of both. Plus it's entertainment industry still in a way Mm because it's DJing Mm -hmm. music industry, which at the time I had nothing, no concept of. I didn't understand like what it was all about, Mm -hmm. but a learning experience. So this was 2019 end of 2019 I think so I had been there about a year in LA and we started branding them out as this it was a DJ group called LTE at the time and from then it went on for a little bit probably until about COVID happened and then two of the girls kind of went their separate ways it just it was very difficult with three girls Mm. still love them to this day we're still friends it just kind of like it didn't the dynamic of the three DJs didn't really work for some reason but again it's trial and error sure yeah and it really like brought that like sparked something in me where I was like I love this this Mm. is so cool and again I had no idea what I was doing at the time but it was I saw like it was kind of like putting puzzle pieces together. And I still to this day, I mean, everyone really is doing that, right? Sure. I mean, that's like, th- that's the common theme throughout everything we've been talking about so far mm-hmm. is that you basically just you, you always were willing to take the next step. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's one another one of those things that holds people back is that they don't want to take the first step because they can't see where the destination is. It's yes. Like, it's like, I kind of know. I have clarity of where I want to end up in terms yes. of what I want my life to look like, mm-hmm. right? Typically lifestyle things. I want freedom. I want I yeah. want some discretionary money. I don't want to have to worry about that. I want mm-hmm. this thing and that thing. And it's, it's like this distant, far off, blurry yes. future that they want. But because it's not crystal clear exactly what it is, like, you know, I'm going to be a finance manager at a whatever, mm-hmm. you know, venture capital firm. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to be a a manager, I'm going to be a podcaster, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I'm going to be a really good employee, like whatever it is, like just because they can't see it clearly, they don't ever take the first step toward it. And they just keep going down this other path Mm -hmm. because it's the one that they're on because it's too scary to alter the path for something that they can't see, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that there's major value in just taking the next step agreed, and being open to the opportunities that present themselves to you. But Mm -hmm. you put yourself in a position you went to a place physically moved to a different place mm-hmm. that would have more opportunities exactly. in an area that you were interested in and wanted to be successful in, in some regard. Yes. No idea what it was going to look like, how, how it was, was going to come together. Yeah. Not and, and even, even now to this day, you know, like you probably don't know what the next 10 years are going to look like, Mm-mm. but you're going to take the next step. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Be open to the opportunity, give it your best 
add like one thing that, that I pulled from what you were talking about just now is, is that you, it's seemingly you were always willing to add value mm-hmm. without ever expecting anything in return. That's a just big connecting thing. to people mm-hmm. and saying like, how can I enrich this person's life? Yes. I don't know how it's going to turn into money for me. And I don't know exactly what I'm doing with this yet, but like, they seem like a cool person. If I can somehow be valuable relationship with this person, it's probably going to be good for me at some point later on down I the road. And if it's not, you said that. I just put some good into the world and there's no harm in that. Yes. You know that, I mean? that is a huge thing. And it's crazy that you said exactly that because that is my has been my mindset from the beginning. I've never been money motivated. For me, relationships are the most important thing. And yeah. I feel like there's a lack of that in America. And I'm not trying to be offensive or, you know, anything, but people are very materialistic here and they're mm-hmm. very, they look at like luxury and money over time and relationships on a value scale. Mm -hmm. And I would say the most important thing, again, you know, this is like who, you know, and building trust and having like a strong foundation relationship with people is number one. And that will get you so much farther than money or anything ever will. You can, you know, just even where I am currently, it took me years to get to this point, just from putting my time and effort into people and not getting any money out of it. And I never was like, I never thought of it. I didn't even care. I just loved doing things for people and being a good friend or whatever it is. And that transpired into where I am right now with but with my clients and my relationships. And I think that if you have that in your mind where like money is the motivation and your main focus, I mean, great. Yes. Like everyone wants money. Money makes life easier. And I'm mm-hmm. not against money at all. I think, you know, that's obviously a goal of mine is to, to have of course. that. So I have financial freedom and stuff. But that's never my number one priority. My yeah. number one priority is always making sure that my relationships are stable and that they feel comfortable, even with my clients and stuff. And adding, like you said, adding value to them because mm-hmm. it always comes back in some way, one way or another, mm-hmm. like for me right now, now or in the future. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's the number one value, in my opinion, is your relationships yeah. over anything else. I think you've proven that. And Thank you. You're, and you're in a business that thrives off of relationships. Mm-hmm. So tell us like, break down how do you make money what do you do so it depends on you know for i mean in general my clients I, right now i have talia who's my dj and i have amanda that's my artist and we'll get back to her too because she was the one i mentioned like transitioning from a model to an artist but it really can be so i get a percentage and again back to my initial story of like going to an agency and paying up front mm-hmm. don't ever pay an agency because if they see the value in you, the money will come based mm-hmm. on like a commission and they're going to work harder for you. So for me, I've never taken any fee- monthly fees or anything like that from my clients. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it took me actually a couple of years, especially because of COVID and stuff to yeah. even make a dime. Because you're getting paid gigs. I, yeah, yeah yeah so everything like hostings dj bookings yeah whatever it may be that or like brand deals stuff like that i get my percentage from that yeah and so that really essentially is how i make my money so there's you're always having to be creative with what you bring to the table and you want to try to diversify like the opportunities for your clients and that's part of what your job is as a manager like you don't want to be stagnant and just do the same thing mm-hmm. so you know for example with Talia like yeah we'll do bookings and stuff we've also launched a merch line for her two different ones actually we're working right now on a product line that I can't say yet because it's not finalized but you know just like like products and stuff that you're elevating their brand on top of like bookings so coming up in May Memorial Weekend she's hosting Sapphire New York and so again like even 
Yeah. And there's always something kind of coming up in the works. I just actually had meetings out here with some day clubs in Vegas. So hopefully, you know, something transpires from that. But you just always have to be working, meeting people, doing things. And so hopefully that is going to be kind of, you know, that's like the main way that I make money. Yeah. But again, just for people listening, that I didn't make any money for the first almost two years. Yes, also because of COVID, nothing was open. But all I was doing was building up their brand from logos to, you know, like visuals and stuff that we could use and, yeah. and doing and just like meeting people, collabing, doing things to help build their brand that wasn't financially beneficial to me at all. Mm. But I always saw the bigger picture. And I think that when you have that, again, like if you have an agency or someone representing you, you want them to have that mentality where they see your value, regardless of if money is coming in or not, and they can see the bigger picture and they see where they can get you to. Because that's the type of person who's going to treat you like it's their own brand. Like I put them above my own stuff constantly. Like mm-hmm. I, I had just launched my merch line and my little snack line. Oh, I brought you some. Oh, yes. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I'll go grab them real quick. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on camera. There it is. Here we go. Yes. Oh, these are there's another kind too. But this is one of the snacks. Bring the snacks and be the snack. <laughs> yes. <laughs> These are perfect for me. I know because you're a snack. Yes. My whole <laughs> so life. This one is the sweet and sexy brownie bites. This is the what is it? That's my shit right there. Yeah, your chocolate person. Hot and spicy sesame, sesame sticks. Sesame sticks. Yeah. So right. it's a sweet and a savory. But again, like this is something that sweet. I just did for myself because and it has a merch line too. Yes. Right? And it and yeah. is a merch line, yes. But again, like they're my main priority. I treat their brands as if it's my own. Like I'm always looking at them like and their money, too, because if they're investing in something, I'm like, is this a valuable investment? Is this going to be making them money? And again, it's not even like I'm thinking like how much money am I going to make out of it? Because a lot of the time they have to do an initial investment. I won't see anything for a while. So I'm not even thinking about that. Right. You got to get somebody that's thinking long term. Exactly. Your your manager has to be thinking long term. Like you said, it's not about like can we make some money on this deal? It's about what's the long-term ramifications mm-hmm. of taking this deal exactly. and what does that do to our brand over time? Yes. Does it elevate us or does it make us look cheap? Like mm-hmm. that's not a good deal, even mm-hmm. if it pays us money. Yeah. Um, and you have really, to be selective sometimes. <clears throat> absolutely. Even if it like hurts your wallet in the meantime or the mm-hmm. short term. Mm-hmm. I was, I was reading Will Smith's book, his autobiography, and he was talking about his manager and there was a movie that a deal that came on the table and this a few months I was reading this a few months ago I was reading this so I might get a couple of details wrong but basically he was already doing well in in hip hop and then he was already cast on the Fresh Prince mm. and he was trying to get into doing movies but he wanted to do like big time like he wanted to become a movie star essentially oh, wow. like the the next phase of his career going from like you know rapper going from artist to actor mm-hmm. like television actor and then moving into being like movie star mm. which he obviously ended up doing but the first deal that got put on the table was a fat check it, it, was, it was several million dollars to play i think it was like a gang member or something in a in a, a movie that was coming out and it was fairly well known like cast or something as well and will was super pumped about the opportunity i mean he was a several million dollar offer i, I want to say two or three million dollars something wow. like that and it was like one of the first big movies mm-hmm. that was offering him anything. And his manager was like, he got on the phone with his manager and his manager was like, we should not take this. And Will was just, you know, flabbergasted that yeah, he was giving like, him this mean? advice. <laughs> yeah, because obviously because his manager makes a percentage mm-hmm. of that whole contract, mm-hmm. which is a lot of money for him. So he was like, okay, well, why not? Yeah. And so he starts giving all these reasons about like, hey, if you want, like, let me just clarify, you want to be 
that you want to be Tom Cruise, right? Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise at that time was like mm -hmm. the guy. You want to be like this movie star. Well, if you take this role, it's not going to put you on a path to get to that yes. to get to that point. It's going to pigeonhole you into this particular part. That's a good you're never going to get offered anything else. Like your brand is going to be that, and you're going to you're going to solidify yourself here, and you're never going to be able to move to the next step. So I ended up taking a different role that was almost again. You kind of have to double check me on the details, but I think it was one tenth of the size of the paycheck. It was literally like wow. it, was a, it was a six figure deal. It was not seven figures. It was a couple hundred thousand dollars to do a different part. But it was much more of like an intense acting role mm. where Will was able to really like bust out some real acting chops. Mm -hmm. um, so he saw and, the long term. Yeah, was it like, was just like they both took a much smaller paycheck so that they could set themselves up to get yeah. the next role and get the next role. And then obviously Smart. he went on that crazy stretch of movies that just kept breaking record after mm -hmm. record with, you know, I Hancock. Love, was it I Am Legend? I Am Legend. I love that movie. Yeah, Hancock, I Am Legend, Pursuit of Happiness. Like I just Robot. To, just like hit after hit after yep. hit after hit breaking box office records. But I thought it was really an interesting part of the story to mm -hmm. see that like, I, I tell people all the time, if you're not in the long game, you're in the wrong game. Yes. And that's a perfect example of what that looks like. It's like they said no to a high dollar figure, short term mm -hmm. money mm -hmm. so that they could say yes to what their goal ultimately was, Yeah. which is, you know, exactly what you're talking that's about. That's a great point. I actually just like a real life example of something that just happened for this with my other client, the Amanda Nicole. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were offered a hosting gig and they were giving her, I gave my rates or our rates. And I said, this is how much it is for the rate. And he was like, oh, I spoke. This is the booking guy who was helping us with this. And he was like, we actually cannot offer you that. We're going to give you this. It was literally less than half of my initial yeah. rate. And so I'm like, OK, again, like this happens in the industry where you have to counter offer things. Of so I can't after discussing it with Amanda, we're like, OK, well, like, look, let's see the value in this. Like maybe, you know, promotion and this, this and that. Right. So we raised the, we countered and said, we'll give it to you for this amount. He still said, no, they are not offering that. So we declined it. And it was still good money. Like, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. It's still great money. And for me, and she was actually down. And to your point, I said, no, I had to say, yep. no, I'm sorry. We're not doing it because then you're going to. You're that, a standard. Exactly. Yeah. You have to set a standard for yourself. And her value is way more than that. I'm like, sorry, your value is more than that. So yeah. no. And, yeah. and I went back to them. And you know what's going to happen is eventually they're going to be like, okay, they weren't playing with yeah. us. If like, we really want her, we are going to, we're going to pay, pay for it. Way. Yes. Yeah. And, and I literally said that I was like, okay, so maybe you can't right now, but when you have a big enough budget or you can do something that's in line with our pricing, yeah. we'd be happy to work with you guys. In the meantime, I have another influencer yeah. that is in your price range. And that's what I did. So I brought another friend of mine who's an influencer that's in their price range. Mm. And I actually was able to close the deal for her instead. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, it'll work out, but that's exactly to your point. You have to do that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's been a lot of fun, Sarah. Um, oh, thank you. Before we go, yes. where can people find a little bit more about you and what you're working on? Yes. So a great way to connect with me is on Instagram. I'm really good at answering DMs and stuff. So at it's Sierra May. And you can also go on my link in my bio if you're interested in my Sierra Snacks line where you can get merch and Sierra Snacks delivered to your door. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and the cool thing is that you can be the snack too. You, you can, don't just have you to gotta eat the bring snack. the snacks and be the snack. That's and right. we'll talk about that in a whole other episode. Yeah, that's I just another need to get a story. shirt that says snack. Right yes. Just, yeah. The merch is snack. <laughs> so you are the snack essentially. And the merch is you're the snack inside, and the merch is the packaging. And then tied with this 
it's it's a recipe for success. And that's actually psychological reason for success, too, because when you bring things to people, it actually automatically creates a good initial like relationship. Desire for reciprocity. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. Awesome. It was so nice being here. I love yeah, thanks so much for, for coming. What's your final verdict on the on the magic mind we took? Oh, I want I want some. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I well, would totally drink it again. I'm like say, excited well, to try um, more. I'll, I'll actually like make an some. intro for you because obviously you have people that could obviously sell some of those. Yes, as well, so, I would yeah. love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Sierra. If you're checking the show out, please leave a quick rating and review over on Apple Podcasts and a rating on Spotify. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, follow along for more episodes with amazing people like Sierra. Thanks again for coming Thank you for having me. I had so much fun with you guys. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you, since I'm sharing my friends with you, is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet. And leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.